Hello, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Crooked Illness. If you are new here, my name is Paris Brinkevich, and I am the creator and host of the Crooked Illness podcast, where we get into all things health-related. The primary focus of the podcast within the umbrella of health-related topics is mental health and mindset. I began Crooked Illness as a way to motivate, inspire, empower, and educate people on these interesting topics. My background and passion for starting Crooked Illness stems from the field of psychology. After completing both my BA in psychology and MBA in healthcare administration, my passion for mental health only continued to grow. As a result of this, I decided to start Crooked Illness to bring more awareness, tips, and conversations to the table about these topics. I offer my perspective on the work I've done and how it inspired me to begin this podcast. Along with this perspective, I also speak about my personal experience with mental health and how I use those experiences to help educate, inspire, and motivate others. I really enjoy doing interviews and connecting with people who also love to discuss and learn more about mental health. If you would like to learn more, become a guest, or connect, feel free to reach out to me by shooting me a message on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, or to my email of crookedillness at gmail.com. Hello, you guys. I am excited to talk to you before this episode starts about what we are going to be getting into today. So the title of this episode is The Power of Forgiveness. And the reason I really wanted to do this is because I had such a great conversation with my guest today, who I will introduce to you guys in a moment. He reached out to me and he wrote a really awesome book called The New Prophet with messages inside the book all about mental health they're related to mental health and mindset, but one of the most powerful ones that I learned from reading the book is forgiveness. Self-forgiving yourself, forgiving others. What does that look like? How do you get there? And how do you do that if you're struggling with learning how to do that? And I thought this was a very valuable episode because this is actually something that I used to struggle with when it comes to you know, all of it, you know, forgiving yourself for certain things, forgiving other people for certain things, being very hard on yourself, being very critical, judgmental, and just carrying a lot of shame, a lot of stress, embarrassment, guilt with having that all the time and carrying that around and feeling like you don't know how to get out of it. You, you feel stuck and you don't know how to move forward, you know, whether it, there was an event that happened in your life whether there was something traumatic that happened to you or someone you were you know or something you were a part of and you find it very impossible and difficult and just it'll never work to forgive and to learn that but he has a powerful story and is going to share that with me in our conversation and I was excited about this because this is something that I have not talked about yet on the podcast, forgiveness specifically, and what that does for your life and the quality of your life once you learn how to do that, how to practice that, and how to go about applying that to different areas of your life. And we're also going to be chatting about his book as well, because he also contains really powerful stuff in there related to addiction, recovery, perfectionism being human, codependency, guilt, shame, faith, self-care, and all these, there's so many different topics that we touch on 
But at the core of it, you know, the most powerful lesson that I took away from this and he really shared with me is learning how to forgive yourself, forgive others. And the way that he explains it is very interesting and he ties it to freedom. And when you're able to do that, to have that forgiveness, you set yourself free in a certain way. And I know it sounds like I just set myself free. It sounds sounds so cheesy, but it's it's true. It's so true. And the way he explains it, I just think is amazing and really great. So I'm very excited about this episode, as always, with all episodes and the message that we are going to be getting into in this one. So I just wanted to pop on before the episode and let you guys know what we're going to be getting into in this conversation. And like always, I hope that you guys enjoy this episode. Hello guys, and welcome back to another episode of Crooked Illness. Today we are going to be getting into what it means to forgive ourselves and others and the power in doing that. Here to join me in this conversation is my guest, Kevin Clark. Kevin has found deep purpose through his work in the behavioral health field, specializing in treating addiction and trauma. He holds a degree in psychology and has been on his own path of awakening since 2005, getting sober and entering recovery in 2006. He also founded, here, how do you say that? Excelsior. Excelsior, yes, okay. (laughs) He founded Excelsior Addiction Services in 2020. He is also the author of The New Prophet, which we will talk about today. So without further ado, welcome Kevin to the podcast. Hi, Paris. Thanks for having me. Hey, Kevin. Thank you for coming on today. We beat that little technical difficulty and made it, made it happen today. I'm excited to chat with you, not only about the book about your recovery and all that stuff, but we're going to have a really good conversation as well on forgiveness, what that means and what that looks like. So I would love to hear from you. What does forgiveness mean to you? So in the book, I have a line that I think sums it up pretty good. And it's talking about, um, It's an integration and release of the negative charge embedded in the body in charge of the mind. So to me, forgiveness is much more about the person carrying the pain and carrying the hurt, carrying the anger, the resentment, um, than it is if that person is someone else. And then, of course, there's self-forgiveness, too. So it's just uh, setting yourself free from hurt that you don't have to carry anymore. It doesn't excuse uh, you know unexcusable behavior or unacceptable behavior it doesn't make that okay doesn't mean I invite that person back into my life Um, again if it's self-forgiveness I better figure out a way to invite (laughs) myself back into my life but um, yeah I mean I think it's more about healing and letting go than it is like just like a giving someone permission mm-hmm. sort of thing. Yeah. I love how last time we were talking, you brought up the point of freedom with that freedom and forgiveness, setting yourself free from what you're carrying and not really allowing that. So, so basically not really allowing forgiveness to mean that happening is okay. 
like saying that's fine, that happened or it's okay, but you letting that go for in order for yourself to move forward in your life and to continue on in a good state of mind or in a good place. I like how you brought, you know, that the freedom part of it tied to that, tied to forgiveness and really setting yourself free from what you are either holding on to, to whatever happened, to whatever went on. And I also like how you relate that back to yourself as well, forgiving yourself. And like you mentioned, you know, you, in in doing that, the process in doing that and what that looks like, you know, is definitely challenging. It's not always something that's super easy, super simple to make happen, but I do like how you describe that in the book and, you know, your experience with that. So um, I'd love to hear from you, you know, if you could tell me what inspired you to write your book, The New Prophet, and what messages were you hoping to convey through the book? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, well, anyone that's read The Prophet by Khalil Gibran, um, he's a Lebanese-American poet. It was published in 1928. Uh, it's pretty much, there's different excerpts on different aspects of life, marriage, children, prison, buying and selling, eating and drinking. And I look at it as it's almost spiritual wisdom in a in poetry through like the use of metaphor to just kind of uh, help you look at these things that are part of your everyday life, um, but gives you a different perspective on them. Now, in 1928, the world was a lot different in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. Um, than it is now, and I wanted to write something a little bit more modernized, a little bit easier for people today to read, and also more and more, like, just like this podcast is all about, you know, destigmatizing mental health uh, concerns and issues and promoting emotional awareness and emotional vulnerability um, I think that we're in a place in this country and in this world where, you know, and I talk, and I mentioned in the book, like the age of ego crumbles. And I, I think that is where we're at. And I think we need to step into, you know, the emotional beings, which is what makes us human and makes me, which is awesome. You know, yeah, so and that's I, what inspired it. And I'm a therapist. So I'm always working with feelings like in my own journey and like with other people. And, um, I used to write poetry, so I kind of, and I've always been a fan of the metaphor as a teaching tool, so I use a lot of those in there. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't know you were a therapist, so that's awesome to to learn that and see. I also, what I also like about the point you brought up of destigmatizing mental mental health, mental illness related issues and things like that, is how you really organize the layout of the book because I like how you talked about you know making it more simpler to read than the the one that you got inspired by the prophet that book and you know which is written in 1928 and you kind of basically take that story and bring up i like how the the chapters are laid out you know they're like you know you have ones on recovery you know service addiction being human perfectionism and all these different things and different issues that people you know have faced at some point in their life or know somebody who has struggled with one of these things and you really break it down in a sort of like simple conversation between a father and a son and also you i really love how you talk a lot about self love 
And how does that relate to forgiveness? What is the relationship like between those two things? So for you, I'd love to know, like, what has it been like for you learning how to practice self-love and feel good about that? Yeah, I mean, for me, self-love has been, I mean, I think the spiritual, the idea of a spiritual awakening is it has these different levels. And I think when I finally fell in love with myself, um, it was just, I was so much more at peace in my own skin and able to allow myself to feel the not so pleasant feelings that came up um able to integrate a lot of that old hurts and it was a process along the way and i think a big thing about self-love is being patient with the process because you know when i talk about forgiveness in the book you know i talk about like chipping away uh with a chisel at the stone the massive stone rolled in front of the tomb of your heart so if you've been through a lot of hurt and a lot of hurting situations um and you picked up a shame story along the way then it's going to take, you know, some dedication and time to get to that place where you can finally, you know, open that door to your heart again. Um, yeah. Wow. Because I know for last time we were talking, you brought up, you know, how last year was really the moment when you felt you actually, you know, have you've been able to practice self-love and you've, you've, you've met, you met that mark last year. So for you, like what kinds of things did you practice or start doing to, to learn self-love? Uh, well, part of it is definitely, like I said, uh, kind of like shining a light into the shame because shame is just this story that I'm not good enough. I'm never good enough. And it's hard to love yourself. If you are even bought into that belief at all, it's always going to kind of, uh, you know, dirty your vision a little bit about who you are. Um, and I think as you, the more you get to know yourself, so even by doing any kind of emotional work, the inside job, whatever you want to call it, the more you get to know yourself more intimately, the more you love yourself, which is at the same time, the more like you really see everyone else for who they are. Um, and, you know, you just want them to have that same experience that you have because, uh, you know, it's like, how can you not want to give that away when you truly like fall back in love with yourself? Yeah. Especially like when you, when you talk about the fact that you've been able to reach that point and why would you not want to, share with other people how that's possible to get there because i know we also brought up you know when you're in that place in your life when it's it's very hard and almost feels impossible to mm -hmm. practice self-love because you're so used to being more critical and more judgmental and carrying that shame like you said associated with whatever you know, event happened, whatever story it was, whatever it was, associating that so strongly to the point where you don't even think you can really care about yourself anymore. And you kind of just start to spiral into this place and stay stuck in that. But then, you know, when you started doing those things, like you said, shining the light on the shame and realizing, you know, what that story was and how, how it was keeping you where you were, how it was keeping you stuck, how it was keeping you from you know, moving forward and having a good, having a good experience, having a good time and really enjoying your life. And once you started to see that and become aware of that, I think is 
a huge piece of it too, because a lot of the times, you know, when you are in that moment, you can't, you don't really notice it until you start to do the work until later. And, you know, for you, I know, you know, especially with writing this book and I'd love to hear kind of, you know, like what was the process like for you in, you know, putting all of these pieces together and talking about all these different topics related to mental health? What was that? What was that like? So like the actual creative process of the book? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think I'd been right, like writing the book in a lot of ways for a long time. Um, and that's what one of my coworkers said that's read the book and was reading it a second time. He's like, it's like a lot of, cause some of the stuff that I say a lot, you know, and it's kind of like my message is like, like you said, what messages was I trying to convey? Um, and self-love is absolutely one of them because I believe, uh, all people are worthy of love. I think some people are sicker than others and maybe there are some bad people, but I've only met really sick people, you know, I haven't met people who are all the way bad. I don't believe in defective uh, humans. I believe in defective conditioning that makes us that way. Mm -hmm. And um, that helps a lot with forgiveness too. Um, But the process for the book, let me get back on track there because I kind (laughs) of went back to an earlier question. I tried to write from a space of presence as much as possible. Like I said, some of that stuff were things that I've taught on for a while, so I already had within me. But then a lot of the metaphors that I wrote were just kind of like following the pen, um, like a stream of consciousness almost, and then go, and I wrote it all by hand. And then then going back and like trying to put it in order and all that sort of thing. And I knew certain topics I wanted to touch on, like trauma, addiction, recovery, stuff that, you know, um, I knew I wanted to touch on sadness and that sort of stuff, but I didn't know all the topics. And some of them just kind of came to me while I was writing it. Like, I didn't know I was going to write about creativity. And maybe it's because I was doing something creative. Um, I didn't know I was going to write about diversity and collective trauma, but then George Floyd was killed and it was just there and I was writing the book at the time. Um, and I don't think I could have written any of it had I not got to that place where I loved in my, where I loved myself because then it's like, again, like you just want to share that with everybody and, and you believe and you know that who you are is the you know, being yourself is the best you that you can ever be. And like cognitively, like I talked about before, like I knew that, but it was a process fully getting there, you know, yeah. connecting the head and the wow. heart. Of course. I feel like, you know, especially that the whole process that you outlined, the whole creative process of doing that and writing the book and, you know, the things that you wrote about that you didn't think you were going to and you didn't think you were going to include, but I like how you, you know, you all, we also talked a little bit about vulnerability and the power of that. So I feel like, I think I remember asking you, you know, of all the chapters, which one was, you know, like something about, you know, affected you the most, or you, maybe you were most like afraid of getting into or experiencing that feeling. And I remember you bringing up sadness and talking a little bit about that and how, you know, what that was like 
dealing with that at, at the point you were in your life. So you, you brought up sadness. So what, what about sadness made you terrified at that point in your life or, you know, feel shameful about discussing that? Yeah. I mean, somewhere along the way, my limbic brain got the interpretation that to be sad is to be weak, you know, is to be pathetic, you know, vulnerability was, and, you know, there was adverse life events. I was, you know, I suffered some abuse as a child. And I think anything that I thought might make me look or seem weak, um, you know, I had to hide behind the ego uh, and I had to live a certain, I had to do whatever I could to suppress that part of me, um, that sad kid inside me. Yeah. So what was that like when you actually dealt with it? Because I remember you talking about, you know, suppressing that, you know, covering that with other things, not dealing with it, pushing it back or pushing it so out of focus that you didn't even really think about it as much. So what was it like when you actually dealt with that? I think it was, you know, it's weird because, I mean, it's not weird, but when I talk about the inner child stuff, I talk about how the child's initially, you know, sad and then scared and then angry and then eventually just lost and sick. And that was kind of like the progression for me to that point. And I can look back in my younger years in active addiction and I was, I had a pretty spiritual woman I told her, she like, she recognized the, the anger in me, but then she informed me that I was enraged and it was true. I was just going around enraged all the time, but underneath all that, you know, was fear and underneath that fear was sadness. And a lot of the recovery process is uncovering a lot of how these fears or these negative core beliefs were driving my behaviors because um, I didn't just put down the substance and get better those fears were still there and I still had to discover and meet them and uh, walk through them. And then I found out that one of the biggest fears I had was to allow myself to feel the sadness that was underneath it all. And again, like that's a big part of the self-forgiveness is to what was, what I was incapable, you know, of meeting at the time you know, now that I am able to allow myself to feel that and to heal. And that's why that part of the book was powerful for me because in the last few years in therapy, um, I've gotten a lot better at allowing when the sadness comes up to actually just feel it instead of putting that guard up. I mean, I had friends that would tell me like, I wish I cried like Kevin. It's like really cool because, <laughs> you know, it's like a, kind of like a Clint Eastwood, just a single tear falling down my face. But that was because I wasn't allowing those like gates to open. And, uh, you know, I'm a sensitive person. And now I'm, I'm actually grateful for that because I wouldn't be able to write this book. I wouldn't be able to help people the way that I can. Um, yeah. You know. I love how you bring up the point of actually feeling 
that feeling that you were so afraid of and had suppressed for so long because, you know, you were like spending so much time covering that up with things and like piling on, piling on to not feel it, to not experience it. But then, you know, when you really talk about once you did feel that sadness and feel those emotions that you didn't want to, you didn't want to, you know, relive that experience and go through that. And you want to just to, you know, try to move on. But, you know, the more you continue to just pile things on, bury it, it actually got worse. And you were talking about how people were noticing saying, you know, how angry you were and things like that. And, 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 you know, and just kind of reflecting on that and feeling like, you know, just your experience, like not knowing where that's coming from, but at the same time, knowing you just the fear of feeling that emotion and what that brings out in you, in your life and how you react to people is, is, is crazy to me to kind of get into. Cause I feel like it almost seems you know, so obvious and easy, like an easy, simple answer, you know, just feel yeah. this and it's, it's fine. It's, it's right there, but um, yeah, it's, it's not at the time and just kind of going through that process. But another thing I really liked about you and your story when we were talking is you told me, you know, when you got sober, one of the jails, you were telling me that you were in and you were detoxing in or spent time in, you actually went back there and were working there. So that's another, that's a, that's something I thought was really cool because that's kind of how we related to on, on that level. And, you know, talking to you about, you know, what is crooked illness? What does it mean? And kind of, you know, my experience with being hospitalized and then going back and working in, in a clinic where I, where I was a patient. So I want to, I would love to know from you, like kind of, what did you get out of that experience or like, what did it, did that teach you anything from, you know, from both perspectives? I mean, definitely. I, firstly, I didn't work there. I volunteered there for, oh, okay. Like, okay. for, for a long time um, in the recovery aspect. But it, it was, uh, yeah, extremely, I mean, I was, it kept me really grateful because it would remind me of where I came from every time I stepped in there. I mean, I had worn the green jumpsuits and the little blue shoes and um, I knew I mean, I can even just think talking about it now, I can almost smell that like acrid jail air. Uh, anyone that's been in jail knows what I'm talking about. Um, so it really kept it green for me, um, which can be extremely valuable in recovery because sometimes when we get far away from our past, we start to forget it. And I think it helped me kind of like, because there's some hurt that you don't want to forget you know, uh, I don't want to yeah, suffer. Yeah. You don't want to suffer needlessly from it, but I don't want to ever have to go through that stuff ever again. And at the same time, it also gave people listen to me when I was in there um, because they knew I'd been literally like in their shoes and uh, had made a, had found hope and found a way out just by doing what was, what I was told to do really. Yeah. And I think that's actually really amazing. The fact that you, you know, you were there and you spent time there yourself, you were in jail and then you went back and volunteered and worked with people and, you know, were serving them and just being able to realize what you overcame and what you, like the things that you went through and the struggles that you experienced, how you were able to overcome that. So if, I would love to ask you, you know, if you had advice for someone who was wanting to learn how to forgive themselves, what would you tell them? Uh, well, 
I would say that number one, it's a practice. Um, number two, like forgiveness. And I mentioned in the book, but it's like, there's this magical two-way street to it. So if like, you know, you did something to me and screwed me over, hurt me, uh, and I found a way to forgive you, it would help me forgive that, you know, the stuff inside of me. As I forgive more stuff inside of me, I become better at forgiving you. And I just, uh, the more you kind of practice that, show yourself grace and try to like understand people. It doesn't, and again, that doesn't justify why someone does something like, but then all of a sudden I understand like this person was just really sick, you know? And uh, I think as you practice it, you just get better at it. And it can start with small stuff like the perfectionism. Oh, you forgot to sign your name before you faxed this report over to a probation officer or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just learning how to let yourself off the hook with that kind of stuff. Um, I was listening to one of your podcasts and you were talking about making little changes. So that's it. You know, sometimes it's the little forgiveness and it um, kind of gets your forgiveness muscle stronger so that you can start to forgive the bigger things. Yeah. And I think that's so important to, to bring that up that you just said this, the, to do small pieces, right. And not to think that you need to make these huge, crazy, wild changes right now to your life today. And it's, you know, start with these things and take these steps and, you know, practice these things. And like you said, it is, you know, really is a practice, you know, it's something that you do each day. And I, and like anything else, you know, so, like when you're learning something or trying to, you know, grow in a certain way and certain area of your life, it's going to take time. But once you get that, you know, gist of, gist of it down, you start to notice the effects in your life, how you're able to forgive other people and then forgive yourself. And it's almost like this cycle that you start to, develop and see yourself in instead of the one before, you know, that you're trying to get away from that was where you weren't able to practice compassion for yourself or to have grace or forgiveness for anything and just kind of being stuck. But then noticing over time, these small things that are going on that are changing and just occurring because you took those small steps. And I think that's a huge piece of it, you know, that you don't need to just dive into, yeah. into something right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a destination. It's a journey that we're on. And uh, yeah, it's not, it's not a, it's a marathon and not a sprint if it's any mm -hmm. kind of race. Being oh, yes. Yeah. So for you, like if you could t tell me right now one thing, the biggest thing that you've learned throughout your entire life, journey, book, everything, like what, what would that biggest thing be? Wow. Um, <laughs> That's a question you were like, what? <laughs> Didn't expect that. Yeah. I mean, that. I guess, I mean, the book process was really powerful because through it, I think I fully got to the place where I trust myself completely. Um, which is something a lot of mentors have taught me to do. They're always like, what does your gut say? What does your gut say? Um, Dr. Dyer, he used to say in his books, like disregard the good opinion of others. So when you're editing a book, especially one that doesn't have perfect English and you're running it by different people and they have different editorial styles, some of it you have to be like, okay, that's constructive criticism I should take. <laughs> this is something I know that I want it this way exactly how it is on purpose because it came from like 
this intentional place. Yeah. And I love how you talk about the book and kind of how that for you has given you trust in yourself and trusting yourself in, you know, being able to put that out there, to put these messages, to do, just to do the thing, you know, you did, you wrote a book. That's a big deal. You know, many, you know, I'm working on one, I'm working on running. I haven't written it yet, but I'm working on it, but you did it. You know, you put it out there, you have your message and you know, it's powerful. And the messages in there relate not only to your life, but to whoever's picking it up and checking it out, reading it and seeing, you know, what's going on within each chapter and, all of that. So, and I think it's a huge thing to get into, you know, the power of what it does when you're able to learn forgiveness, practice forgiveness, you know, forgiveness for yourself, forgiveness for others, forgiveness just in general. So, you know, I'm so glad that you, we got to connect, you know, you reached out to me with the book and all of it. And I was super excited to check it out and to see the messages and just to chat with you and really hear, you know, your experience, the things that you went through, you know, with, recovery and addiction and, you know, being in jail and then going back and volunteering and being a therapist and all these, all this stuff that's going on and, you know, all the things you learned from these things. And that's really what I honestly enjoy most about every conversation I have with everybody who comes on here is just kind of like, you know, what did you learn from this? What did this teach you? And I really loved, you know, hearing that message from you and being able just to virtually sit down and chat with you. So thank you so much, Kevin. You know, thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. And to everyone listening, I hope you guys really enjoyed this message today and Kevin's story and learning about, you know, more about the power of forgiveness and hopefully can apply some of this stuff into your life or someone else who you may know who could use this message. So I hope you guys have a great rest of your day, great rest of your night and love and hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And I'm going to end that on this note. Say goodbye to you guys and say goodbye. Bye, Kevin. Bye. All right, guys, that is the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this one as much as I enjoyed creating it. As always, if you guys would like to get in touch with me to talk about becoming a guest or to share your thoughts on this episode with me, you can do that in a number of ways. You can shoot me an email to crookedillness at gmail.com. You can send me a DM on Instagram at crookedillness, or you can message me on my Facebook page at crookedillness as well. I hope you guys have a beautiful rest of your day and thank you so much for listening to Crooked Illness.